Hey everyone, welcome to the Sustain the Range podcast. I'm Lauren, your host, and this podcast is a personal exploration of my experiences in everything ranching. From beef operations to training horses to sustainable farming and regenerative practices, we'll cover it all. Each episode features enlightening conversations with guests who bring their unique perspectives and expertise. Whether they're seasoned ranchers or first-generation farmers, we all share a common bond and deep appreciation for the land and the livestock we raise. Tune in each week for engaging discussions, inspiring stories, and practical insights from the ranching community. And let's embark on this incredible journey together. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Sustain the Range podcast. I hope everybody's having a great day. And I just wanted to record another episode um, to talk to you guys about my calf that I lost, unfortunately, a couple of months ago. Uh, And she was a free martin calf, which I'll explain what that is. But I really wanted to talk about her because she was my first calf and I learned a lot from her and I want to just kind of share a little bit about all the trial and error and um, just all the stuff that I went through with trying to care for her and help her and um, like I said unfortunately she passed away but she taught me a lot and yeah, I just really wanted to to kind of share her story and um, all of the things that I learned from her. So I will just get straight into it. Um, so she was a free martin calf, um, which means that, well, her mom was a heifer and he, the mom had a boy and a girl. So when there's a free martin situation what happens is it means that the mom is pregnant with a female and a male and then um, I just want to read you guys a little bit of a description here that I found on the cattlesite.com about kind of the definition of a free martin um, so it says the con- this condition causes infertility in the female cattle born to a male are born a cattle born twin to a male when a heifer twin shares the uterus with a bull fetus they also share the placental membranes connecting the fetus with the dam adjoining of the placental membranes occurs at about the 40th day of pregnancy and thereafter the fluids of two fetuses are mixed this causes exchange of blood and antigens carrying characteristics that are unique to each heifer and bull When these antigens mix, they affect each other in a way that causes each to develop with some characteristics of the other sex. Although the male twin in this case is only affected by reduced fertility, in over 90% of the cases, the female twin is completely infertile. Because of a transfer of hormones or transfer of cells, the heifer's reproductive tract is severely underdeveloped and sometimes even contain some elements of a bull's reproductive tract. A free martin is genetically female but has many characteristics of a male. The ovaries of the free martin do not develop correctly and they remain very small. Also, the ovaries of a free martin do not produce the hormones necessary to induce behavioral signs of heat. The external vulva region can range from a very normal looking female to a female that appears appears to be male. Usually the vulva is normal except in some animals in large and large tufts of vulvar hair exist. 
Free Martinism cannot be prevented. However, it can be diagnosed in a number of ways, ranging from simple examination of the placental membranes to chromosomal evaluation. The cattleman can predict the reproductive value of this heifer calf at birth and save the feed and development costs if he's aware of the high probability of free martinism. In some cases, there are no symptoms of free martinism because the male twin may have been aborted at an earlier stage of gestation. So, yeah, so she was born um, a twin with a brother, and what happened was the mom um, took the... Uh, the bull as the stronger one. So I think in my last podcast episode, I kind of talked a little bit about how oftentimes when there's a twin situation, the mom might pick what they think and and feel instinctually is the stronger of the two calves. Um, so this mom, or they're not producing enough milk to um, sustain both calves so they have to choose one so in this case the mom chose the bull and uh she was not allowing the um cat the male uh, the female calf excuse me to to nurse so my boyfriend was very very sweet at the time and he said hey um i got you a calf and she needs to be bottle fed and she's what we call a free martin so he explained free martin to me and uh i just started doing a bunch of research on it and i was convinced that i was going to breed her back because i even though all of this research told me that in you know over 90 percent of cases there's still that 10% chance that she might be fertile um so I kind of went on this overhaul of uh just deep dive into a lot of research on free martinism and and things that you can do to help her become more fertile and just different things so what I kind of came up with first, and I'll, I'll kind of tell you a little bit, but I, I named her Pannonia, and the reason for that was because um, there is, when I had Googled the origin of the word free martin, I got a, a few things that came up, but one of the first ones that I saw was um, that it was possibly named free martin because of after saint martin and saint martin was a saint that was uh supposedly a lover of animals and there was a legend at the time um or a story that saint martin had been brought a cow and he cast the devil out of the cow um and performed a miracle on him and then so then i started reading up more about saint martin and um, how he was such a lover of animals. And so he was actually born in Pannonia, which is now uh, what we know of Hungary. So I decided to name her Pannonia. And when I when I first got her, you know, I bottle fed her and everything was going good for a few days. I was feeding her milk replacer or I'm sorry, no, That this was a little bit after. What we've tried to do first was we had another cow that had just lost a calf about, I think, about a week before that. So what we tried to do is transplant her. So what happens is we, when a mom loses a calf, they're still producing milk. So if you have another calf that either lost a mom or the mom isn't producing enough milk or in this situation, um, 
chose one calf over the other, um, what you try to do is you try to get that calf to nurse on the mom that lost the baby. Um, and there's a few ways of doing that. Some people, uh, some ranchers have told me that they will take, um, if there's a calf that died or her calf that died and anybody who doesn't want to hear anything kind of gruesome right now, you can kind of block your ears, but, um, if the mom has a calf that died, what they'll do is they'll take the skin or the hide of that calf, um, skin the calf, and then put that hide over the calf that they want the mom to take. And um, I, we, I, I met a rancher a couple of weeks ago who said that he's actually done that a number of times and it has worked. So what happens is the mom will think it's her calf because it smells like the calf. Um, there's also a, a solution that you can use. It's kind of like a powder called Orphan No More. So what the Orphan No More is, it's a, it's a powder, and it masks the odor of the calf with a more intense odor that's really attractive to cows. Um, and while the mom's hormones are all kind of, uh, you know, really heightened at this time because they either just had a baby or, you know, they're still producing milk, uh, their hormones are kind of... Uh, really heightened. So with this powder, you can put the powder on the calf that you want the mom to take and um, it will be really attractive to the, to the mom. So, uh, there's that. And then there's, you know, I was researching a, a few other ways that, that people have tried to do it. Um, but what we tried to do is just get the mom to allow the calf to drink in a head gate. So I, every morning I went to the ranch and I put the, mom that lost the baby into a head gate and I, um, let the calf Pannonia try to milk off of, off of the mom. And unfortunately this mom, after losing her calf, um, or in the, in the process of it, she had developed mastitis. So mastitis, same thing, um, where their udders are just really, really painful and it can develop into an infection. Um, so we tried to treat that and then we, uh, it, it got a little bit better, but you could tell that the mom was still a little in, in a little bit of, uh, I wouldn't say she was in pain, but it was just pretty uncomfortable for her. But I tried to get the mom to nurse her, and she, you know, she did, Pannonia did nurse for a couple of days, but she definitely wasn't getting enough milk, and the mom just wasn't producing a lot of milk in the first place. So when we kind of decided that, you know what, I don't really think this is working, we'll try to get her on calf replacer. So I tried to get her on calf replacer, and while this was all happening, I started noticing her jaw got really, really large on both sides of her cheeks. And this can happen in calves as well. It's called lump jaw, and there's two different kinds. There's one that affects the bone structure and then one that affects the tissue. And it can be caused by a number of different things. Um, it can cause be caused by bacteria. It can be caused by if they swallowed something or if they got a piece of like hay or a stick or something caught in their jaw, it can create an abscess and it can be really painful for them. 
Uh, still, I really don't know, and the vet didn't really tell me um, what he thought the lump jaw was, but I, I do think it was definitely in the tissue because after I brought her home from the vet, uh, her cheeks were had weren't as inflamed. They were still a little bit inflamed, but they weren't weren't hardly as bad as they were before. So um, I think it was probably a matter of she was just not well from the beginning. Um, and I do think that it she may have had some sort of little bit of infection. Um, or it, she was just trying to suck so hard because she was really trying to nurse on the mom and it could have just caused her some just inflammation in her jaw. So anyway, got her on placer, started noticing her lump jaw, and then she started having scours. So scours are pretty much like calf diarrhea, but they can get pretty serious if you don't take care of it. Um, because the calf can get super hydrated. So the most important thing is to make sure that that calf stays hydrated if they do have scours. And what you can do is give them scour pills, which one of the calves that I'm currently bottle feeding now, who's now about um, a little over two and a half months old, he had scours and you just give them uh, a little scour pill and it usually clears up in a, in a few days and it did. Um, and you you give them a scour pill and then you switch off. Well, what, what we did was we switched off um, every day with calf replacer one day and then electrolytes the next day. And I did that for three, I think three days total. And he's totally good now. So um, that was really good to see. But um, so I noticed that Pannonia had scours. And then I started noticing that there was blood in her stool, which is a really bad sign. So I went to go get some scour pills. I searched all over. So this was end of March, beginning of April, um, which is when everybody's calving and a lot of the products can be sold out, especially calf scour pills, because it's a very common, common thing. And... I drove about an hour and a half to a store I called all around uh, my area, and everybody was sold out of them. So I ended up driving another about an hour and a half down south to a uh, tractor. I think it was a tractor supply store that actually had them. So got the got the pills and. The only pills they had were the what they called calf bolus pills, and they are a pretty big size pill. Um, and I just did not feel comfortable giving it to her because of how big they were, and you could not split them in half because they are seventy two hour release. And if you split them in half, it can really mess up the dosage. So you either had to get um, like something to inject it into her and into the back of her throat and just at the time I was pretty new to all of this so I just didn't feel comfortable um with the calf that I gave the scour pills to the one that I'm currently bottle feeding the pill that we gave him was a lot smaller and you kind of just put it on down the side of their jaw and kind of push it down the side of their throat and then uh, they swallow it and it's easy but this one was a really really big one that you that you definitely had to use with um, 
like a, a pill injector and I just didn't feel comfortable doing it at the time. And we didn't have a pill injector. And while all of this was happening, um, she stopped eating. Um, and this was all really within like a day. Uh, and then right after I got back from getting those pills, I just noticed that she wasn't really getting up very much. She, I tried to give her a bottle. She wasn't drinking anything and uh, the blood in her stool was getting really bad. So I had um, one of uh, another rancher that I met through all of this who has cows who I who my boyfriend actually bought the calf from. Um, she is just she was such a blessing throughout this whole time and we've become uh, friends since because she was just so helpful through all of this but she said let's just get in the car I'll take you to my vet and we'll we'll get her squared away so during this time my boyfriend's like you know you, you don't bring the calf to the vet because it's really expensive and you know you kind of just expect in this line of work, especially in, in calving season, that you're going to have calves pass away and you cannot possibly bring every sick calf to the vet. And from his experience, any time that he's brought, and I had heard this a number of times too from other people, that when a calf's really sick like that, they're already kind of past the point. And another reason why she was not really in good health health in the first place is because she did not, she was not able to get, um, colostrum from the mom within the first 24, 42 hours. So colostrum is really, really important for calves. So the mom produces, um, colostrum within, uh, the first nursing session and right after birth. And the, when the calf drinks and nurses from the mom, the colostrum is um, taken in by the calf and it has a bunch of an antibodies, antibodies and nutrients that are really, really important for the immune health of the calf. And it transfers um, immune cells to the calves and it just really boosts their immune system. So it's super important to get that within the first 24 to 42 hours. And after that, it's really kind of pointless to give them. So you can so they get it from the mom and then if you if the mom if they can't get it from the mom for some reason or the mom passes away or the mom um again in a twin situation if the mom chooses one calf over another you can buy colostrum but you have to give it to the calf within that window and anytime after that it really doesn't help because uh the calf just doesn't absorb it as as good so she did not get colostrum, so she was already kind of from the get-go um, in the negative. So that was the other reason why it was really important to just to try to get her immune health up. And anyway, um, you know, my boyfriend said you can't possibly bring every calf that you have to the vet. But it was my first calf, and I really wanted to really try to give her a chance. And obviously I was completely emotionally invested and it was, you know, a one-time thing. And I brought her to the vet and they took her in and they gave her electrolytes and she was there for about three to four days. Uh, and then 
I got her back and they said that she was doing better and um they were really really busy at the time too and I also felt like I didn't really get a ton of information from this specific vet I think they took really good care of her but um I do kind of wish that I had been given a little bit more information um just on what they were doing to her and you know I would call or and yeah she's good and we've been giving her electrolytes we're on calf replacer and this and that but I didn't really get too much information beyond that and um just kind of after everything happened I didn't I was pretty upset and sad when she passed away and I didn't want to kind of revisit it for a while so I never really called back and and asked but we kind of I really we kind of just knew that she really wasn't good from the get-go but anyway she I got back from brought her back to the ranch after the vet and she seemed to be a lot better for a day or two I was giving her calf replacer and um I had also read that goat's milk was really really good for calves um and it was even higher content in uh protein compared to cow's milk and uh it was really so some people even or some ranchers have even raised their calves on goat's milk um, because it's super nutritional and can be really good for their immune system. So I did give her a little bit of that, mostly just gave her the calf replacer and bombarded her with electrolytes um, per the vet's instructions. So about the third day, um, I started noticing after I was giving her the calf replacer that her manure was a little bit better. And then the third day I started seeing that she had blood back in her stool again. And after that, I kind of just, my heart sank and I just knew that something was really, really wrong. Um, and it was pretty hard. I mean, I had, you know, there were really, really late nights, really early mornings, sleepless nights. Cause I was so worried about her Uh, and you know, she was, she was the first one that I had and that I took care of. And, uh, she really taught me quite a bit about just, I think on the last episode, I talked a little bit about like the circle of life and she taught me, you know, she definitely fought. She was not well. And for as long as she kind of held out and was really trying, fighting and trying to survive, I think she held on as long as she could. Uh, but she she definitely taught me a lot of what it's like to really love and really care for something and really love something in such a short time because, you know, I only really had her for a little less than a month, um, probably about a month. But, you know, I totally fell in love with her in the first place. And she just like totally stole my heart and she was so cute. She, uh, was a baldy. So she had, um, she was black, but then had a a white face and she had a little black dot around her eye and she was just so cute and she was so sweet. You know, she would follow me around the ranch when I was making her bottle in the morning and everything. So just totally fell in love with her. But that, afternoon when I went to go give her the electrolytes when I saw that there was blood in her stool um, I just knew that something was wrong and I 
went to go give it to her and she got up and started walking over towards me and then all of a sudden just started freaking out. She started bellering. She started throwing herself against the fence. She started running away from me, uh, which she had, hadn't done before. And she was having like a major seizure. Um, at first I thought, oh, maybe I just woke her up from a nap and she got like super startled. But this went on for probably a good 10, 15 minutes. And I kept trying to just go over to her and try to calm her down. And she was just bellering and she was throwing herself through the fence. And then I finally got her to a point where, you know, I could kind of calm her down a little bit. And then she started having trouble walking. She started falling over. She would get back up, fall over again. And this went on for another, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And um, then she started kind of straining her neck and foaming at the mouth. And it was clearly something neurological that was going on. Um, And there would be moments where she looked like she was okay. And, you know, my heart like jumped. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, maybe it was just something weird, you know, and this whole time I'm, I'm crying. I'm just saying, you know, please don't die. Please don't die. And, um, she looked like she was okay. And then I had texted the vet quickly. I said, this is happening. I sent him a little video. He said, go and hurry up and get, um, Cairo syrup and, and put it on her gums. So my boyfriend quickly ran to the store, um, and, you know, the store, I don't know, 15 minute, 20 minute drive. And, um, during it, I had her kind of on my lap and I was just trying to get her to stop, you know, straining her neck so much. And she was kind of throwing her head around a bit. And at this point she couldn't even walk. So I just had her on my lap and I was just trying to calm her down and pet her and, uh, you know, just tears streaming down my face. And, um, I just was at this point, uh, I knew that she was dying and I just tried to comfort her as much as I could. And, um, she finally, you know, she was still foaming at the mouth and she kind of went into like another seizure episode and, um, then she finally just slowly kind of passed away in my lap. And uh, it was really, really awful. <laughs> um, it was really sad. But uh, I think she definitely had some neurological issues. And before, while during the time when we were trying to get the other mom to take her, we had her and the mom out in a corral together. And the mom... Anytime the baby got near the mom, she would, you know, try to get her away or she would try to headbutt her a little bit. So then we kind of had to separate her. And from people that I've spoken to and just, you know, from being around animals, you know, they, the animals are a lot smarter than we are, in my opinion. But they're also very instinctual. And they, the moms especially, they know when something's wrong and, in an instance, even in the instance when I said that, you know, if a mom has twins or they'll pick the stronger one over the weaker one and just instinctually because they might know something or sense something that uh, that something is off about that calf or everything. And it's just kind of the, you know, 
survival of the fittest type of thing. And it, again, I think I mentioned this last episode, but it's still very present in, um, in cows and it's, it's pretty amazing to witness. But so that could have been another reason that, you know, both these cows just sensed that something was wrong. Um, I had made Pannonia a hay bed and I just put a bunch of hay out because it was still pretty cold at night at times. And I put a bunch of hay just to keep her warm. And when I had moved her over to a different corral after she got back from the vet or during, when she was at the vet, I put some of that hay into the other corral where there was about two or three cows that we were, we had in another pen. Um, and not one of them would eat any of the hay. And the hay was was fine. I had cleaned out any, any like manure or pee mm-hmm. um, and I didn't. I didn't even give these cows, um, I made sure that the hay was clean. It was just, uh, some of the hay that she was laying on at the time, but not one of them would touch the clean hay that had come from her or that Pannonia was, was sitting on mm-hmm. or laying on. So, uh, they, you know, obviously smelt something or could sense something. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was, that was pretty interesting. Um, But yeah, and, you know, kind of during this time, I had reached out to a couple of people. I had found this girl randomly on Instagram because I was searching free Martin calf as a as a tag. And I just came across some different accounts. And there was this one girl who had posted about having a free Martin calf and she they were going to keep her and they were going to try to rebreed her. So I'd messaged her because it was like over a year ago and I had messaged her and I said, hey, you know, uh, I have a free Martin calf. Um, I'm really hoping to to breed her. You know, any tips or advice you can give me, or just share your experience with her. You know, I'd love. And um, I don't think she saw the message because I just got the message back from her. I think about you know three or four weeks ago, and she's you know oh, sorry, you know I didn't see this, but she told me that they um, unfortunately had to put down their free Martin. She said that. They were going to keep her. They were going to try to rebreed her. Um, but what ended up happening was she was so, so sweet in the beginning. And then as she started to grow older, within two or three years, she started becoming super aggressive and showing all signs of, you know, bull characteristics. And she said that a few times she went into the corral and or out into the pasture, excuse me, and the uh, the Fremarn tried to bulldozer and tried to run her down and just got super aggressive where even she was like plowing through gates and um this girl had had a really bad experience I think she said about eight or nine years ago where she got really hurt by a cow and um it put her out um of commission for I think she said about a year so something you know really serious happened but she said, you know, I, I don't want to take any chances anymore. And um, because she was so aggressive, they had to had to put her down. And I believe that she said that they did try to rebreed her, um, you know, after after a year or two. And she didn't get bred. Um, but she was really, you know, I could tell within her message. And, and she even said, you know, I, I felt so bad having to put her down. But she was just super dangerous to be around. And when they brought her, um, or when the vet came to look at this cow, she told me that a vet had looked at her, um, when they opened up the cow, 
they all of the male reproductive organs were there even though she looked female from the outside and I guess this she said that this vet had never um or I'm sorry it wasn't the vet it was at the um at the processing plant when they were um at the slaughterhouse and when they opened her up they found all of the the reproductive organs for male reproductive organs and they had never seen that before where they were so intact but completely covered by um, some female reproductive organs. So yeah, just a pretty crazy situation there. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to share all of that because I learned, gosh, I just learned so much through it. And, um, like I said, she, she taught me a lot. I, I got so attached and I don't, if, if I keep doing this, which I hope that I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, um, I don't think that there'll ever be a point where I don't get attached uh, to the cows and don't get emotionally invested because I just don't think that that is my nature. I don't think that I am able to turn that switch off, but I do have to say that she taught me a lot about like just being able to love something in such a short time and then just having to let her go and um yeah it was a really crazy life lesson because that morning she had passed away and um, a couple of guys at the ranch and my boyfriend were there and they were so sweet they said you know instead of bringing her out to the pasture and just leaving her for the for the coyotes you know let's bury her under one of the big oak trees you know down by the ranch so they were super sweet and got the skid steer out and um dug a hole and and we buried her and so she's now you know planted there and uh yeah so I I kind of think of her when I when I walk by that tree every day and um yeah, like I said, she just she taught me quite a bit and um I'm really thankful for her even though the outcome wasn't what I hoped. I'm just thankful that I was able to have that experience and even though it was my first calf and my first calf passed away, uh she just taught me quite a bit, like I said, and I'm just very thankful for her. So yeah, this was a really short one. I just wanted to kind of share my experience with that. And yeah, I think that's really it. Um, a couple of the updates. I, I usually give an update in the beginning, but I forgot. Um, gosh, updates were bailing hay. Um, I was, I learned how to rake the other day and I learned how to cut a little bit um and I moved some bales around the other day which took quite a while <laughs> uh but yeah so we're we're doing hay and um I like I said I've been still bottle feeding that calf we moved him out with the other herd we have about I think they're about 10 or I think they're 11 out there now. Yeah, 11. Um, 
who are some late calvers. So we've had three new calves, but we put the little guy out there. I still have yet to name him. Um, my boyfriend told me I'm not allowed to name him, but we had also thrown around the name Scooter McGavin because he's so super cute. And he just runs every time he sees me now because I have the bottle and um, he's just full of energy and he's just super cute. So we ended up putting him out with the moms and the babies and he's out on the pasture now he's eating grass he's really really happy uh oh and one thing I also want to mention I I was thinking of this as I was talking just a minute ago back to Pannonia but in that same day that morning um when she passed away later that day we went out to check calves and there was a mom um and we sat there and we watched a mom have a baby uh, and it was just this crazy whirlwind of a day and just the whole circle of life was just so apparent and right in front of my eyes and, uh, just really made me stop and think of one, how grateful I am to be doing this and two, just how things can move so quickly and how you can lose something like that and still be so appreciative of the time that you spent with her and just realizing that this is just a part of ranching and this is a part of a circle of life and this won't be the last time that I'm gonna lose a cow and every time it's gonna be really hard and it's gonna be really sad but at the same time the joy that you experience just being around these cows every day and doing this work is at the same level. And, um, one of the things I've been talking about with my therapist, who's just so wonderful, um, is she has been, we've been throwing around this idea and she sent me this really beautiful thing. Um, like a poem that was basically talking about how the amount of sorrow we feel is going to be equal to the amount of joy that we feel and that so often we can try to just skirt around trying to not feel the sorrow or not feel the sadness but that's literally impossible because both of these emotions coexist and at the at the same time and when we feel sorrow we're going to feel that sorrow and then we're going to feel joy and not not right after one another but um that one is always right behind the other and they do this this little dance um so yeah and that's something that I've just had to really ponder and think about because I can often get a little down on myself for how deeply I feel and I feel like gosh why do I why do I have these deep emotions you know I wish I could just turn them off but uh in a way it's beautiful at the same time because I do have the capacity to feel that deep, deep love or deep, deep sadness, but also the capacity to feel that amazing and deep level of joy. Um, so that's something that I'm trying to wrap around in my brain. I still haven't fully gotten to a point where I'm like, okay, I accept the really shitty feelings all the time, you know, but Um, yeah, just something that I'm, I'm still kind of working with, but it was just a really beautiful analogy that, um, or just beautiful idea that I had never really kind of thought about 
uh, as in depth before. So yeah, anyway, I'm rambling, but so that's what's going on at the ranch. Um, I am really wanted to record this podcast today because, uh, and I haven't, I didn't do one last week and I'm so sorry that I missed one, but from here on out, I will be doing one every week. Uh, but I am getting ready to go on a ride. Um, I have not been able to ride my horse a lot in the last week, so I feel really, really guilty about that, and I've been neglectful of her. (laughs) Um, no, not really. I still see her and go say hi to her and spend a little bit of time with her every day, but I haven't really been training or riding her in the last week and a half, which I feel really bad about. So I'm going to go ride and then I have to trim her feet because they're getting a little bit long and she's due for trimming. So I'm going to do that, but I really wanted to get this out to you guys today and just share a little bit about my story with Pannonia. Anyway, I hope that this was interesting for you and insightful. And uh, if you have any questions or comments or you just want to reach out and say hi, you can find me on Instagram, um, Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N underscore Pidge, P-I-D-G-E. And uh, just send me a message. Yeah, just tell me if you if you liked it. And if there's anything else that you guys want to know too, uh, I'd love to hear from you. So anyway, I hope everybody has a great day and a great evening. It's 5.30 here. So wherever you are, have a wonderful rest of the day and we'll talk soon.